This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get to today's Brownstone Breakdown podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, I want to jump on and talk to you guys about Harry's Razors. We've talked about Harry's Razors on Browns Film Breakdown before. We will continue to do so. They have a great offer going on at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll save $10 on a value trial set, which includes five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lather shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all these for just $3 shipped to your door. Enough with cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. I hope you guys have tried them before. We believe in them here at the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Harry's is aiming to fix shaving giving you a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's founders bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. So join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Claim your free trial. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know. You'll get a full refund. Again, Make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your free razor for just $3. And we're off. This is Blue Wire. Welcome into Brown's Film Breakdown. This is your late June edition coming at you guys on June 25th. We are in, as I repeat, the oasis of the offseason. I am Jake Burns, writer for Cleveland.com and writer for the Orange and Brown Report. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope this week finds you well. We have returned from vacation on our end. Family loved Wilmington. We enjoyed our time there. We finally settled back in. If you have not paid attention, I've been writing a lot more for Cleveland.com in terms of everyday content, analyzing a wide variety of things uh, from wide receiver rankings, Baker Mayfield's quarterback, his rookie season rankings for all time, how he sort of sets into that list of uh, best rookie seasons from a quarterback. Top 5 2019 wide receivers. Looked at David Carr's list, laughed at it, thought it needed to be improved, did that. Also wrote an interesting piece I think you guys will enjoy about why we should not in any way panic about Mike Silver's report about the slow transition to Todd Monk and his offensive coordinator. Tried to lay all of that out for you, give you statistics for why that situation is being overblown and why it doesn't really matter if Todd Monken, as the offensive coordinator, is, is slow to the new process that's going on here. So give that a read if you find some time. Otherwise, in the Browns world, it has been an extremely slow time. Nothing really is changing. Players are hosting camps. We have no new news. That's why we want to continue talking about what's to come this year, looking at on paper how this Browns roster looks. I urge you to take a look at previous podcasts that we analyze quarterback play and offensive line, and we are going to jump in looking at what I think is one of the more interesting and potentially uh, electrifying position groups, which is the running back group. I think we have a good discussion for you guys here. So we will get over to our guest in just a moment. Before we go there, I want to talk to you guys about one more fantastic opportunity. So guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's knee, back, something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. 
The same is true for erectile dysfunction. I'm serious, guys. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online for a sensitive subject. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy that you need from your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can describe a genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging, secretly, right to your door with free two-day shipping. It's a big deal. Guys, go to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to talk about and a tough subject to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor on their site. Just go to Roman.com slash blue wire to get a free online visit free two-day shipping that gets roman.com slash blue wire for a free visit to get started get roman.com slash blue wire all right we will be right back with our guest all right excited to continue our preview of the 2019 browns i'm trying to knock out each position if you have not done so we studied quarterbacks with Derek Klassen sort of looking at what Baker Mayfield will look like year two, how his potential shakes out. And then we looked at offensive line with the Athletics' Brandon Thorne. And next up in the study is, I was just telling him, my, my resident running back guru, Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio and the Football Guy Senior Staff Writer. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great. Any chance I get a chance to talk about the Cleveland Browns and running backs within the same phrase is just, it, it's a dream for me. This is awesome. Yeah, we were talking before this. This is quite the nostalgia coming with a, a strong running back room in Cleveland. A possible two-headed running back monster at some point. I haven't said that since the late 80s, right? Yeah, exactly. Biner and Max. Uh, right. Grew up on those guys. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's dive in. I think this is there's, there's a ton to talk about. There's a lot going on with this group. But uh, I think the first thing I want to ask you is, as a guy who studies running backs coming out of college into the NFL, and you continue to do tons of stuff during the NFL season looking at current NFL players and how they're performing and I know you love to focus on running backs so I just sort of wanted your thoughts Matt how you think this this group that is obviously Nick Chubb Duke Johnson Doncho Hilliard and then half a season of uh, Kareem Hunt where you think that ranks across the NFL Oh, I think it's absolutely one of the best depth charts that you're going to find. Now, certainly there are guys, you know, if you if you looked at players in their prime, Buffalo with Frank Gore and, and McCoy and then with Yeldon and Singletary, in terms of just name brand value is fantastic. And those guys, Gore and, and McCoy, could are a wealth of teaching tape right there in terms of their careers. But obviously they're they're at a point in their careers that they're they're at the twilight. So you're not looking for them to be performing at their prime. And there are a number of teams that have a nice one-two punch, certainly south of, you know, Cleveland and, you know, with Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. That's a that's a, quite a dynamic look right there and kind of an underrated one for a lot of people. But when you consider the fact that Nick Chubb and, and Duke Johnson really offer a versatile playmaking skill set, um, and both guys are a little underrated in the areas where they actually are seen as complementing each other. You know, Chubb, an underrated receiver. Duke Johnson, an underrated guy between the tackles. And then you add in Dontrell Hilliard, who really, if they, if the Browns finally opt to trade, 
Duke Johnson away. You watch what he did at Tulane, and you can see a very confident runner who hits the crease with authority, someone who has this, this, the quickness to bounce outside, and then you have that receiving skill that you can understand why a lot of observers of practice note that he looks very comfortable in Duke Johnson's shoes for what the Browns ask him to do. And, and you can see that he might be able to pick up without missing a beat, um, especially when you look at Duke Johnson's um, propensity to have minor nicks and, and missing some time here and there throughout you know, periods of games. And then you throw in Kareem Hunt, who you know a lot of people obviously look at as an all-pro caliber talent. Um, whether you see him... You know, whether you want to, you know, debate that point, you know, and say that he's a really good running back versus being an all pro running back. Either way, to have a guy who's a starting caliber NFL talent sitting there on your bench to return, you know, at the halfway point to either sub for Nick Chubb or even be a, you know, a contributor, a co-contributor so that you could limit some of Chubb's touches for the playoff run. If they if the Browns continue to if the Browns play well as projected then, you know, that's quite a backfield, especially one that really from player to player, you ought, that offers a lot of versatility um, and every down upside. Yeah, that's a ton of good stuff there. I think, I think what's interesting to me, Matt, is when you look at this backfield, they have um, the emergence of Hilliard, and you touched on uh, his skill set coming out of Tulane, or sorry, Tulane, and um, just sort of who they think he can be. It was very telling to me that the Browns in weeks 9 through 17 when um, you know Freddie Kitchens takes over the offensive coordinator role, he has a feel for the running back room as it is, obviously translating from his time as the running backs coach moving on, that the Browns were the only team in that time span to use 31 personnel more than five plays. They ran it a total of 12 times for a 71% success rate. So it told me, although they, they ran it majority of the time against the Falcons, they did want to find a role for him. And they allowed him to, to return kicks and uh, do a bunch of different things. And it's really hard to envision their 2019 roster without him on it. So then it gets to the point where possibly they keep everybody and it rolls into week nine, and you're, you're, you're carrying four running backs, which gets a little dangerous. So my question for you would be, do you think that if they were to move on from Duke Johnson, that Hilliard has enough of that niche role that Duke Johnson does? Do you think he can be some version of Duke Johnson as a pass catcher? Yes, I do. I think that he looks very good at being able to clear from the line of scrimmage and find the opening and run the precise route. He's a guy that can track the ball well downfield so you can use him in the intermediate passing game if you want to use him in certain sub-packages where he's going to stretch the field some. He has a good feel for playing in traffic, so if you want to use him in the screen game, that's also helpful. So it's a matter of how much you want to invest in him in that capacity because I think the question is, is you know, I think the, the standard line is, well, we know Kareem Hunt can catch the ball. You know, Nick Chubb proved he could catch the ball, but you often hear the standard narrative that, well, you're not going to use him extensively as a receiver, even though he's made some great plays here and there. But I would I would beg to say I'm waiting to see on that with with the with the Browns. They might decide, you know, we can use this guy a little bit more as an all around feature back in the same way the team that the Cowboys use Ezekiel Elliott. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised at that. As a development, you know, this year, late this year, next year, that you see Nick Chubb as 
you know, possible upside is as an every down feature back, depending on, you know, how healthy he stays, how well he performs this year and what the team ultimately decides to do with a guy like Hunt. So it could also make it easier to say, listen, we can we can when we do want to go to another player long term, Dontrell Hilliard could be a nice cheap option for us where we've developed him and we get that second contract for him as well where we can get a decent deal for him because he's not used a ton. But when we do need him, we can rely upon him to do what um, we expected from Duke Johnson at a lesser cost um, and keep him involved right now so that he's game ready, that he's focused in, you know, because coaches know that players who don't play aren't going to be as focused when it comes to time getting onto the field as they will be if they're going to be involved um, even on a, on a limited level. Um, and, and it just keeps putting them on notice and it gives them encouragement, especially guys who are late round picks, not to give up, you know, in a sense. I mean, they're not coddling players, but, you know, a smart coach understands, listen, you know, a lot of these guys who are UDFAs, at some point they're bouncing around, they bounce and bounce to the point where they're, they're, they're given some promise and then it doesn't work out. And next thing you know, they're like, you know what, it's just not worth pursuing this gig. I need to find another job because you know, my wife and I've got, you know, now I've got kids and, and, you know, there's pressure at home for me to, you know, continue to pursue this type of thing. And I've certainly talked to guys who've been in that position who are on the verge of being contributors of rosters where the, you know, the, the letdowns of trying to to hang on to a job um, can finally turn the other way. And so Hilliard's in a position where he's got a coach, I think who gets that and who could wind up being a nice, um, change of pace, you know, maybe in five-minute drill situations, um, as well as in you know catch-up mode and in different things where he can be used in those types of sub packages um, at a much lower cost. Yeah, certainly. I think that they view him as a vital part of things, and they're they're sort of shaping it. I don't think that they're willing, Matt, to get rid of Duke Johnson for the simple fact that not that they don't trust. What, what Hilliard can become or what he is becoming or what he even is right now, to me it feels like they don't want to go into the season eight weeks of just Nick Chubb and Dontrell Hilliard. Then you're running the risk of a UDFA third back, and you don't really know because at that point an injury happens, and while that's sort of living in a, in a cynical world, it is a you know, viable situation where an injury happens. Then you just have one running back. So I think to me – and this is where we're going to sort of shift this conversation, it makes sense for the Browns to hold on to Duke through at least week eight. See if they have a a, a viable role for him without forcing anything. Do they have a viable role for him that they can fit him in? He provides steady, uh, a steady presence in the backfield as a solid backup to Nick Chubb situational player you also have Hilliard who you can keep you know initiated in the game plan allow him to be an integral part of special teams push toward week eight then as the trade deadline approaches it could make sense if somebody is desperate to move him at that juncture maybe get a fifth sixth seventh round pick that's sort of where I'm sitting I don't think they see uh uh, you know, as they look at the positives and negatives of the whole situation, it doesn't make a ton of sense to move on right now. So that means, like, my question for you turns into sort of how, from somebody who doesn't necessarily live inside a brand, I know you follow the Browns, obviously you follow everybody in the NFL, but you don't live inside this bubble where this is a sort of constant topic and discussion, and every little thing that is said is turned into a 
you know, a drama-infested situation where, you know, people are stink-eyeing each other from across the Twitter universe. So it's like, to me, what do you think of Duke Johnson's situation? Did, did A, Cleveland handle it right, Matt? Did, did Duke handle it right by coming in at the first part of his, you know, the first appearance he makes for the 2019 season by immediately saying, yes, I want to be traded, and B, there's nothing you can do to rectify it? And C, how do you feel about, uh, this is loaded, I'm giving you a lot here, how do you feel about how Baker Mayfield handled his response? So a lot there, but I'm interested in perspectives on this. So, so go ahead, the table, you know, the, the stage is yours. Sure. So I love the question because – you know, the way you set it up also was great because I think it's the most logical conclusion of what you have to look at from a management standpoint. If you're Brown's management, you can't go into <laughs> you can't go into the season with just Nick Chubb and Dontrell Hilliard. You just you know, that's just not gonna be the best way to go about it. Um so yeah, Duke Johnson is a an important part of the team and you wanna keep him as such. But both you, the team, you, you know, the management staff and the player know that this isn't a long-term arrangement. It's not likely to be a long-term arrangement, you know, and, and it's better. And, and, and the thing is, is the media is going to look at it and play out the drama. Part of it is, is that, you know, these are guys with journalism degrees who maybe they understand the heat of an editorial room to a certain degree, um, depending on how high of a pressure of a newspaper they're in. Um, and, and really the sports section is not a very – high pressure section compared to, you know, if you're political reporting or doing investigative work and you're going to be on the front page and there's lots of budget spent on you for doing things where you're going to have an angry editor who's yelling at you for you having to stand up and tell them you need another week or you need more money to investigate something. And, you know, the, the, the executive board of the staff is starting to balk on wanting to spend this kind of money and they want to ditch the story um, and that kind of thing. You're not dealing with that kind of pressure in that in that area of, an, of the media. So these aren't guys with a lot of operational experience who are recovering these things and they just see the drama and they, they mimic what they see on TV in terms of how the drama is portrayed and they think about their life experience dealing with conflict and many of them may be great at reporting facts or writing a story that's that's entertaining, but many of them also have no clue on how to manage people, what the environment of a of a um, of a room looks like. Um, you know, they don't have that operational experience. I can say, as someone who has, who has, you know, you know, almost two decades worth of operations management experience. Um, and also, you know, probably about a decade of journalism experience in addition to that. I can tell you that much of this is about nothing <laughs> because because you look at Baker Mayfield and he's going to say what he said. He's a young guy. He's a young leader. And the team's going to say, listen, shut up. You need to like you, you need to phrase this differently. You can't go out in the media and say this. They have it out a little bit. They disagree. And then it's over. It's just, you know, that. Certain environments are different. If you're in a if you're in a doctor's office environment, you know where you're you're you know you're an admin or you're you know you're an admin or, or low level employee in a corporate office, you're not going to have people yell at each other at the level that you might if you're working a warehouse or in a call center environment or you work in a um, you know in any type of operations like even like you work in a restaurant. 
you know, for instance, whether it's a high-end restaurant or just your average, you know, shopping mall in the box restaurant where something goes wrong and the manager's like, you know, threatening to fire you in the middle of a heated shift where they, they're having to take over roles that they shouldn't have to take and they're threatening to throw something, you know, they're threatening to throw you out of the restaurant. And then when you things don't work out, you hear them literally throw a pan across the room and hit a wall. You know, I mean, they can get volatile. Things like that get volatile and it's yeah. not all HR friendly. Um, so the, the, the point of the matter is, is that football is that operational environment. Things get heated. People say the wrong thing because they're young um, or they or there's emotions that fly. And then it gets the air gets cleared. Everyone gets over it and they just do their job. And, and I think that Duke Johnson came in and wanted to try and push to to get a deal. And I understand that. Um, but at the same time, he did say he's a professional. He understands it's the business. So he put it out. He just cleared it to me in a sense while he didn't do it perfectly. And that's why the, um, you know, the reporters are, are talking about it the way they are. But in a sense, he was trying to clear the air. This is a business. I understand the business. They don't want me long term. I can see that. They've got Nick Chubb. They've got Kareem Hunt behind that. Behind that. They got another guy who can do a lot of what I do. Um and I want to be on a team that's going to value me that way. So can you get me on that team as fast as possible? That's what I would like. Um, and, I, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to back down from that. But at the same time, he, you know, they're putting that, that's also a way of putting that out there so that other teams will keep, you know, are going to have him at the top of their list for the next several months until, like you said, week nine comes. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think that, you know, maybe Baker Mayfield could have handled it differently. But again, it's not a it's not a huge deal, considering what Ben Roethlisberger has said to the media um, about some of the things he's done and <laughs> or things that he said. And he's a veteran who should know better, you know, but, um, you know, and, and certainly other players fit that example as well. You, you just have to con- you just have to understand that it's a different environment than, you know, your accounting office, your accounting firm, or, or something that's a little bit more staid, and, and that when media reports on it, sometimes they lack that perspective, and as a result, they make a lot of drama out of things that really were over at that moment or after they, the team had a discussion in the locker room, um, and there might have been some yelling, and you might have heard that. There might have been some cursing, and you heard that. You might have even seen some people pushing and shoving each other, um, and and you might think that that's a, you know, and but you're they end up comparing that to their office environment or what they think a normal office environment is, and they don't think about where they actually are, and as a result of that, that's why we. That's why we have this situation. So I'm not worried about it. I think Duke Johnson will play good football because he's motivated to have to be traded somewhere, um, and he has to be a good teammate and he has to perform well. And I think he gets that. Um, and he's gonna he's gonna play his butt off when it's time for him to play. And the Browns are are playing it smart. And as a result of that, they're gonna end up getting something out of the deal when Kareem Hunt is ready to go. And if Kareem Hunt's not ready to go or Nick Chubb gets hurt, then you might end up keeping Duke Johnson for the remainder of the year. And you might actually be happy that you did that, even though Duke Johnson might not be happy about it. But he'll also know that he better play if he's going to have any potential value um, at the end of the season when it's time to trade again. 
all great analysis, especially big picture stuff there, Matt. I think it's it's important for for Duke, like you said, even if people perceive his side or the Brown side is the right way to go or whoever side, people are going to subjectively view that however they want. But he has to look at the big picture, has to show up and be a professional, has to show up a, and keep himself alive for another contract because at the end of the day, that's what he is doing. He's making football his, his life, and he, he's gotten a nice second contract from Cleveland, but he has to be able to be somebody that a team will believe in to get a third contract. Um, so I'll ask you a couple quick hitting questions before I let you go. First one's this. Um, and you can expand on it as short or as quick as you want. Sort of, what do you think um, Duke Johnson, was he on the Browns in 2020? Sort of a yes or no on that one. Oh, I don't think he's on the Browns by 2020. Absolutely not. Okay, fair, fair. Uh, Nick Chubb, what do you think his stat line looks like next year? If you had to guess, I will hold you to this and call you at the end of the year, but let's see what you think. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, I, I think that right now, my bet is that Kareem Hunt, while suspended for, the, for for eight games, it'll probably take him ten games for we, before we finally start to see him filtered into the into the game plan. Um, you know, depending on how much practice he's really going to get. So I look at Nick Chubb having about 282 attempts, um, 1,300, a little over 1,300 yards, mm-hmm. um, at about a 4.6 yards per um, carry average. Pretty high carry, pretty high average. I have him at 10 touchdowns, rushing 10 rushing touchdowns, and I also have him at 45 targets, about 32 catches, 238 yards at about a 7.4 yards per catch average and three touchdowns as a receiver. So I have him t- 13 total touchdowns and a little over 1,500 total yards for the year. Well, I'll tell you what, if that happens, that means A, the Browns' offense is, is, is pretty fantastic, and B, Nick Chubb is a – dynamite running back one in fantasy for people if that's your alley to go down so uh that'd be that'd be a home run if the browns get that kind of production from nick and the good thing is todd Monken, um you know while it's not his offense and i wrote on that today not necessarily his offense he does have great input about uh you know when to call run game and how to call run game that eliminates eight man boxes i think nick ran into put up really good stats and you know what did he have uh, he started from week seven on, put up fantastic numbers, but he ran against a lot of eight-man boxes. So I think that they'll help him out with that. Everything around him only helps with that. So those numbers that match us throughout certainly sound lofty, but I think they are very, very attainable. So um, good to hear. Good to hear that that's the perspective. And then last one, Matt, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this one to you as sort of a take it wherever you want. Just give us some names. You study – uh, you know the draft class every year you got to start doing work right now to get ready for the season as early as it may seem uh, sort of some of the 2020 backs that if if Browns fans are into the draft or into early study or just college football fans in general backs that are exciting for you coming out in 2020 yeah absolutely there are a number of them you know let's since we 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 just finished talking about a UGA player let's let's start off with another UGA player and DeAndre Swift 5'9 215 pounds He's a guy who doesn't – he's got decent long speed, but he's not a guy that's consistently going to beat cornerbacks in the open field for you know breakaway gains. But he's an explosive player in terms of short area, change of direction, very good um, um, low center of gravity, and he's a terrific receiver and route runner. And he'll make the first man miss in, in pretty much any type of situation. Travis at the end, you know, out of Clemson – He's a guy that kind of gives you that 
Chris Johnson, Marlon Mack type of player, a guy who can get the job done between the tackles. He's added a functional power element to his game between his freshman and sophomore years. Um, I like how he can break through reaches and wraps. He's not a guy that's going to do what Chubb does, which is run over people and and pull and bounce off a lot of hits. Um, but he is a guy that can break it from you know from anywhere. And he's a compelling option. Then you have Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. I'm sure a lot of people up there are familiar with him. Um, you can see some Nick Chubb comparisons for him in terms of size and um, size, strength, speed, footwork, the ability to really manipulate crease as well, and and just really have a fine tuning for understanding how to um, really press a crease inside or outside, and and understand when he can kind of play games with defenders. Um, to to create for bigger plays as opposed to just taking it up there and and hitting the play as designed. Another guy that's interesting to me is Trey Sermon out of Oklahoma. He's a junior, um, a rising junior who's six feet, two hundred twenty four pounds, and he has that kind of game where you know you think of James Wilder Jr. and and Dalvin Cook, two Florida State guys. James Wilder Jr. has led the CFL in rushing last year. He's not a really fast guy, but he knows how to – he has what's called curvy linear movement. And Sean Miska, who trains Everson Griffith, the uh, defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings, is a movement specialist and coach who works with a lot of college and NFL guys. Curvy linear movement, I, I equate it to think about street bikes that um, bend hairpin turns at a fast rate. They don't you know, make sudden angular moves. They're more kind of curl, you know, um, you know, kind of curl around that that corner. Well, guys like Trey Sermon, Dalvin Cook, and uh, James Wilder Jr. are examples of players, or Darrell Henderson, for that matter, are examples of guys who have that good curvilinear movement and can do that at, at a high speed. And he's also a pretty powerful guy on top of that um, who catches the ball well out of Oklahoma. And then I'll just mention, you, you, know, you know, certainly you, you can think of Najee Harris out of, Alabama, who's a, you know, kind of a, a, a Derrick Henry kind of bruiser type with good speed and some agility. But another guy that's interesting to me is Michael Warren um, II out of Cincinnati, who's 5'11", 218 pounds, and he can really catch the ball well. He's a guy that they, they look to him on third down. They put him in the slot. They'll let him make plays up the scene knowing that there's a safety bearing down on him. He's a tough kid who runs hard, who finds creases and can push piles and break tackles. And, you know, I'm interested to seeing what else he has to offer down the line. So that's, you know, five or six guys right there that make this a pretty compelling class. It's good stuff. I have not honestly looked at a single running back. Hopefully we won't have to do that as Brown studying, uh, this Brown studying goes for a while. So those are good names to pay attention to, guys, uh, obviously from some good programs there, Oklahoma, Clemson, and, uh, and Georgia, so forth. So you'll see a lot of them. I would, uh, I would encourage you to follow Matt. Obviously, uh, it's just at Matt Waldman on Twitter. Uh, he's going to find his rookie portfolio, stuff that he posts all the time, in-season, great video work with breakdowns. You're going to find him there. Um, and then uh, one, qu- one question before we go, Matt. Um, give me your Browns win-loss prediction for this year. I meant to get that one for okay. you. Yeah. Let's say 10 and 6. I think they will go 10 and 6 this year. I think that will either be enough to win a division or that they will be a top tier wild card team with a home wild card game. 
Exciting stuff. I'm about that 11 and 5, 10 and 6 area too. So again, guys, follow Matt Waldman at Matt Waldman uh, on Twitter. Rookie scouting portfolio information, football guys. You can find his stuff there. He's, he's a senior staff writer. Uh, I'm sure you're following him. Great input, Matt. You're the man. Thanks for taking time for me. I'm I'm sure I'm going to try to catch you mid season too, sort of see where things lie. But uh, until then, I appreciate you, man. Hey, I appreciate it, Jake, and I'm sure I'll have you on my pod before then as well because I always love your work. I appreciate that very much, and I would look forward to it. Until then, guys, we will uh, we'll be back next week. We're getting close, almost to July. Then it's training camp. Then football is rocking and rolling, and it's in your face. We're going to keep plugging away previews. We're going to look at wide receivers next week. Uh, hopefully have a good guest on to cover those guys. Matt gave you guys great running back information here. I always appreciate feedback. If you want somebody on, Matt was a request a while back. We made a connection. He's a great uh, you know, gives great insight running back, but not just running back. Gives great insight at every position. I'm meeting people through Twitter this way. If you have somebody you want on, let me know. I'd love to link up with them, try to find a way to get them on, help out. Any questions you guys have, always follow me at Jake underscore Burns 18. Let me know. Otherwise, we will catch you guys next week with wide receivers. Go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.